welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today, we have Nick Lopez, who is the founder of Lime Painting with us. Hello, Nick. Hello, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So Lime Painting, this is a brand that I've actually had a client invest in and uh, she was thrilled with this concept when I had presented it to her. So that, but this one for me, just, you know, with the various brands that I have, I guess, visibility into in the home services space, this is one that really stood out to me, given you've really created a niche for yourself in this market, which I think is fantastic. So Nick, as the founder, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and how Lime Painting came about? Absolutely. I'm from Denver and I went to uh, Michigan State. So I went to school out of state. And as I'm sure many of you know, out of state tuition is very expensive. And my initial plan was to wrestle and pay my way through school uh, through a scholarship. And so I wrestled my freshman year, but a scholarship was a couple years out and I had college bills due. And for me at the time, $2,200 just seemed like so much money. And, and I was hit with a tuition bill um, at the time. And I really did think I was going back to Colorado. There was not any way I could pay for that bill. And uh, thankfully, my now wife, um, who at the time was my girlfriend, uh, gave me the $2,200 to stay in school. And, uh, you know, even against her older sister's advice, you know, she basically said, you're never going to get that money back. <laughs> and she was right. I still haven't paid her back. <laughs> and so um, we're up to four kiddos now. And I, uh, you know, that's how I stayed in school and ultimately knew that that wasn't going to be sustainable. And so I made a really tough decision to hang up the wrestling shoes. And I, uh, my father was a contractor. Uh, he ran a, a concrete company. And so I felt very comfortable uh, running crews, being on job sites and in uh, construction as a whole. Uh, as a result. And I had heard of other college paint companies on campus, and it seemed like a pretty practical way for me to scratch my entrepreneurial itch and also pay for uh, tuition and books and just general cost of living. So I started a company called Spartan College Painters, and I ran that for the five years I was in school. I started it in 2008. Uh, it was great timing, middle of the Great Recession. And, um, I, you know, in Michigan, Detroit is economically very challenged at the time. The auto industry really drove or drives the economy and it wasn't doing so hot back then. And, and so there I was 18, 19, hardly any experience and, uh, starting, uh, Spartan college painters. I had heard from clients so much basic things like, Show, thanks for showing up. Thanks for answering your phone. Thanks for doing a good job. It was encouraging to me and it really kept me going along. But as I got into my business degree, I started learning about competitive advantage 
And I got in my business or my marketing degree and I started learning about positioning. You know, if you're high price, high quality, you know, that's where you build the model and everything around that particular niche in the market. And so uh, that's where our high-end focus uh, really started. It happened to be the market that I was in in East Lansing, but just through my education, it became clear that you know this is a niche and it's an underserved niche to the to the extent that people are thanking me for showing up. And I was so bewildered by that because I just thought, hey, if you pay for something, you get what you pay for, and you know. It, it really gave me some context into the fact that, hey, just because you're paying for something or you're a service provider, it doesn't always mean that you're going to get what you pay for or what you're uh, trying to deliver. And uh, so I started looking into national companies that were focused on this particular niche, um, really being luxury and uh, there weren't any companies doing it nationally. There were other national paint companies, but they were really general service providers. And from my firsthand experience, it was clear that, well, for one, I was winning business against them, um, but also it was really the local uh, ma and pa that provided that high-end option for uh, the clients I was working for. Those were more so the alternatives to myself in the market. and. Uh, that that really started this path to franchise. Uh, I had a friend at the time, more so a mentor, give me a book called E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And that's where I learned about franchising, you know, creating a process and systems and really duplicating the service and working on the business, not in it and, and doing it through franchising. But what I really loved was this whole idea of being in business with other business owners that was new to me at the time. It was very exciting. Me being an athlete, you know, I really enjoyed the locker room part of, of being an athlete. And, and so the camaraderie, the collaboration, it made sense for me. And you know everything about franchising, it was clear that that was going to be the way in which I would expand and, and ultimately give this unique value to clients in other markets outside of uh, East Lansing. And so, you know, I, I spent the rest of my time in college, about two and a half years, really focused on standardizing the business to, to scale through franchising. I moved home to Denver in 2013 and started Lime, but did not initially have the plan to franchise, really wanted to prove out the business. I, you know, grew it to a, a multi-million dollar uh, business and made the services that we offer uh, more sticky, just gave more value. And so we started doing more than just paint. We started doing coatings and looking at paint as a type of coating, really because the, the types of properties and estates that we work on, they're made up of many different surfaces and each surface deteriorates from the sun and water. And paint is a protective coating just as much as it is aesthetics are you know, looking good. And and so every surface turns over. These are high-end properties. So these services are worth tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and so we're able to educate clients on how that process works. Paint is more than just uh, um, paint. It's a type of coating. And 
and all of the different surfaces that are made up on on a, a luxury home. And and so, uh, you know, we started franchising in 2018. We onboarded our first uh, handful of owners uh, locations there by the end of 2018, or excuse me, by the end of 2019. Um, and by August of 2020, uh, we had seven locations. Uh, today, uh, here early Q2 2023, we have 80 locations. Um, so we've done some growth over the past couple of years, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. But that's our story and, and how we got started and, and where we're at today. Well, congratulations. My goodness, it's at such a young age, just seeing the vision. I mean, number one, taking a chance on yourself and then seeing the vision to, you know, turn this successful business locally into a franchise system. Um, so number one, I love your uh, branding. Very catchy. Love it. Your website is phenomenal. But Lime stands for something. It's just, which I think is very important to point out. So Lime is actually an acronym that stands for love, integrity, mission, and excellence. So why, why is that important to you? What, I mean, does that, how does that drive the culture within Lime? Well, if you're not intentional about defining your culture, It'll be defined without you defining it. You'll have a culture even if you don't know. And, and so I wanted to be intentional about what it means to own and deliver uh, Lyme in the market and communities. And, um, you know, I'm somebody that is very passionate and invested in what I do. And so I knew that if I was showing up and doing something for 80% of my life, you know, I wanted to create, help create what that would look like. And it was most certainly going to be with other people. So, you know, where could we all unite? What could we all stand for from day one? You know, where could that common ground be? And so, you know, anytime we're onboarding uh, an employee or a business partner uh, at Lime, you know, we're starting with that conversation of us being a values-based company in speaking to those values. I think that's something that, you know, people can really rally around. And I love what you said, if you don't define the culture, it will be defined for you by default. And mm -hmm. so it's better to be in control of that. So Lime Painting, your niche is focused on the top 30% of homes in a given market from a value perspective. So more of those luxury homes. But lime painting is more than just painting. And I think that, you know, when I got exposed to this brand, you know, there, there are so many painting companies out in the market, whether, you know, whether it is a franchise or whether it's the mom and pop one. So, but lime painting, once you really dig into the concept, you have over 40 revenue streams under the lime painting umbrella. So can you talk to that a little bit about what you do that goes beyond painting? Sure, um, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, a lot of the estates that we're working on, you know, keep in mind we're doing both inside and outside. 
but it's very practical to give some context of the exterior because it is exposed to the sun and water. It actually deteriorates. It's a very need-based uh, service. It's not a want. Uh, it may turn out to be a want and then eventually be realized that it is a need. And you, know, you think of the manufactured windows and doors that make up an estate. Uh, there can be, you know, north of 100 windows and doors on an estate that we're working on. And each one of those manufactured surfaces is exposed to the elements. So eventually that, that surface starts to uh, fade and chalk. And that's, that is deterioration from the sun. The sun is um, breaking down the particles of that surface. And then the water takes advantage of those pores and starts to break the seams on the manufactured windows. Then you have windows that are oxidizing. You know, you get streaks on there, maybe some moisture condensation getting in there. And, you know, those windows are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we can come in and apply a, pre a protective coating to those surfaces for, you know, anywhere from five to 10 grand versus replacing them for north of six figures, it's, uh, you know, the ROI there, it's clearly more of a maintenance item, but it is very much a need. And so, you know, each surface on, on the estate, you think about stamped concrete, you pull up to one of these estates, the driveway is stamped concrete, the sidewalks that go around to the back, you know, those are stamped concrete. Uh, there's a couple, you know, there's a pool and around the pool is stamped concrete and, Eventually, that clear coat and the colorant start to wear away from the sun and the water. They crack, they crumble, and that's you know that's a hundred, that's six figure plus stamped concrete uh, surface there. That if you just again you you uh, apply anywhere from a five to ten k solution to that surface, all of a sudden it looks brand new. It's protected, and uh, you know you've helped the deterioration going on, uh, and so. Our sales teams are called visual reality consultants or VRCs for short. So our VRCs go to these estates and help train clients to see the property the way that we do. And it's uh, it's uh, side by side, all four sides. We're uh, assessing each surface and, and explaining to the customer, um, you know, wh where is the what is the current state of that surface? And then giving them recommendations to uh, to maintain those those services, and so we're doing a lot more than just the paint for those reasons, and have standardized solutions uh, coatings for for each surface. And so whether it's the inside or the outside, you add up all the surfaces that we uh, specialize in from a coating standpoint. You know, there's 40 different services that. Um, we're able to educate clients on and, and help them. But at the end of the day, you can simplify those 40 services by saying that we do painting, coatings, and surface restoration. That last piece is, you know, we obviously are a quality, a premium brand. We don't want to put a coating on just any surface. If it needs to be restored or, or uh, you know, establish integrity in that surface before we apply a coating, that's where that surface restoration comes in. And that could be carpentry work, stucco coatings, any sort of work on, on the masonry mortar. Um, 
and and that, that, that's what we do. So with 40 different services, then um, you had mentioned the VRCs, the virtual, can you repeat that? The virtual? Uh, a reality consultant. Okay. A virtual reality consultant. So as someone that is looking, someone looking for an investment, considering line painting, what type of experience do they need? Uh, the VRCs? No, if they were to be a franchise owner, if they were to invest, what type of experience are you looking for from your uh, candidates? Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're looking for first and foremost uh, to align at our core values, right? Um, to have a, a common denominator there, but uh, somebody that is ready to take control of their destiny and create a legacy. Um, they, they could be doing that full-time, going all in as an owner-operator or uh, building a team, right? Putting a general manager in place, supporting uh, that individual and the team that you build uh, to serve customers. It's really two paths. Uh, we call them a part-time owner-operator or an owner-operator. Part-time being that you're not doing the business full-time, you have a manager in place, but you are still in the business as an owner-operator alongside the team, but you have the team appropriately staffed so that on a day-in, day-out, they can go about their particular roles. Um, but obviously looking for folks that are coachable, that want a playbook for how to execute on the business and win in the market, uh, you know, that requires somebody that is, yes, wanting to pursue their entrepreneurial dreams and, and hopes, but uh, can also follow a process. And um, that means that you're not totally entrepreneurial. We're not recreating the, the VRC process, uh, as we call it, respin. It's, a, it's our sales model. So because that process is so effective, and you can go down the line across the business. Again, the biggest benefit of a franchise is this is the duplicatable process that's in place that has been developed through uh, iterations of failure and investment financially. So that's the biggest benefit of a franchise, right? Is is getting that fully vetted process. And so we call it the Lime Way. And so Folks that get the lime way, they understand that, okay, lime painting will stand out in my market. Yes, there's a lot of other paint companies, but that's because it's a big industry. It's an $80 billion industry and, four, and 400 billion is home services. And it's it's expected to double here in the next five years. So it's a, it's a massive industry. If you drive to the airport, just your local airport, everywhere you every building, every surface that you drive past outside and in, there's a, there's some sort of coating. Um, and so, you know, owners that come to Lyme understand that what we do is unique and they're totally passionate about our unique service offering and doing it the Lyme way, which is through our values, being heart-led, service-minded, you know, we're a service-based business. Uh, one of our biggest differentiators is our values for not only customers, but 
for the subcontractors that we work with, they're also, uh, you know, seeing value in what our owners bring to them in their community. And it's not just customers. So that service, that heart-led uh, mentality, it, it makes a big difference. No, that is that is a great, I love what you just said, because I, I have, I speak to different brands day in and day out. And it is very rare that I hear about the values of the company. So, and you have made that so uh, clear throughout our discussion today. So I can just imagine what it's like within the culture at Lime. Um, so you mentioned subcontractors. So that takes me to the next question about how many employees does a typical location have when it is mature? Yeah, mature business is going to have a general manager in place, a, a team lead in place, which is kind of, you have your 1A, 1B there. Um, your team lead is uh, supporting your GM and also fulfilling whatever hat they're wearing. So uh, we have two hats, a sales hat and a production hat. And uh, the, the sales team is made up of VRCs. And on the production side, it's our creator role. And our creator is a production coordinator. They're the quarterback of production. Uh, they're working with our subcontractors. They're day in, day out, uh, facilitating projects and quality control. Uh, they're, they're making the sales team and the client's lives a lot easier, as well as our subcontractors. Um, and so that team lead, if they happen to be wearing that creator hat, uh, they'll, they'll fulfill that hat or uh, more times than not, they're wearing the VRC hat, the sales hat. Um, but depending on how big your, uh, how many territories you own, that'll really determine how many VRCs that you have. But, uh, you know, for example, you could have one general manager, one team lead, and three VRCs. Uh, you know, that would make up a team. Oh, and then finally, your creator. So, you know, that would be an example of a mature location uh, with three territories. You have a VRC in each territory, um, a, a team lead, a GM, and, and your creator. And those are your 1099 employees, but the individuals that are actually at the estates doing the work are subcontractors, correct? Yep, absolutely. Our, our subcontractors are fully uh, 1099. And then the folks that I just outlined, those are all W-2 employees. Those are the only full-time employees that you have. And the benefit of the subcontractors being 1099 is that you know, they're going to train and build up their employees, uh, their craftsmen, and, and they're going to have all of their equipment, their vehicles. They'll maintain those and you know, they'll obviously store them and um, makes the business much more streamlined. Thanks for clearing up the 1099 versus W-2. I got them completely backwards. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So let's, so we've touched on the ideal candidate. Um, one topic that I am always faced with, uh, I shouldn't say always, but many times when individuals are considering business ownership for the first time is overcoming fear. So can you share uh, 
how you would address someone looking at line painting that is struggling with that fear. You know, I I um I get the distinct privilege to uh look at look fear head on and define it every day. And so, you know, I'll work with somebody that is looking at Lyme and considering becoming a business owner with Lyme and you know, they'll come to dis, uh, decision day, they'll meet our team, and we may address it then if that's something that they're navigating. And then I'll get that privilege to continue to address it on, we call it the other side. Once they make it to the other side, they they become an owner, they've overcome their fear. E even on the other side, you're defining and, and uh and navigating fear. It doesn't end with, hey, I'm considering being an entrepreneur. That's really how you continue to level up is by owning and learning how to uh, head on tackle fear and turn that into fuel, turn that into passion. And that ultimately drives your business. Uh, fear will continue to, to show up and it doesn't just say, hey, I'm fear that this is who I am. No, it, it shows up as um, a reason why you can't do something. Uh, you know, it pushes back on your path to get to your dream, your goals. And so you, you have to address that fear because if you don't, it will stay in your subconscious. It will, it will stay hindering you taking action and doing what you need to do to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And so you know, we're, we're constantly uh, calling out the fact that, hey, that's not a, you know, a very practical way to look at that, you know, what else is going on here? And, and then it's, it's really about just addressing and defining the fear. And, and that, that takes some intentional effort uh, to, to sit in and, and really think through, okay, well, what is this thought? Like what is what is really going on here, and and once you can tease that out, then you can logically think through it and level set with it versus it just being in your subconscious. Your subconscious is deep, right? And we don't always get into our subconscious, but um, that's why it's always great to have a um, someone to hear you out, and you know, and when it's not logical or practical. You generally need to, you know, lean in on, okay, why is this barrier here? And then get down to the logical analysis and, and think and talk through what that is, because, you know, fear will steal opportunities from you. And when you're on the other side, you're a business owner, you're an owner, but is it stealing a performance goal? Is it stealing you getting to the next level, breaking a ceiling? And how long will it continue to steal from you from breaking that ceiling? Uh, it could be weeks. It could be months. It could be quarters. My goodness, it could be years um, that uh, fear steals an opportunity from you. So, you know, I always look at fear as, as you know, from the lens of, um, you know, hey, how is this holding me back? And then wanting to specifically define it and, and address it so that it doesn't sit in in the subconscious, um, never really being brought out into the light. 
Wow. That was impactful, to be honest. I, you know, I loved when you said uh, you made the analogy, turn fear into fuel and you're absolutely right. I mean, fear doesn't just stop at the decision-making stage. I mean, as a business owner, and I've owned three businesses myself, I mean, you're consistently faced with challenges, which, you know, each one of those could be fearful, but you have to learn how to overcome them. And, and when you do, you're that much stronger. So what, what great advice. Um, so I'd be remiss before we wrap up, not mentioning some of the fantastic data points um, of the line painting concept. So within the painting industry, the average ticket is around 2,800 across all painting businesses. The Lime average ticket is $11,170. So what that equates to is 70% fewer projects than your typical franchise, given that niche that you are focused on being the upper 30% echelon of businesses in a given territory. That is fantastic. That that speaks volumes. No kidding. Yeah, it's it's always nice to um, you know, work with a demographic that understands that, hey, if you pay more, you get more. And you know, whether it's their home or the high-end vehicle or the high-end restaurant they went to that past weekend with friends, you know, they want quality. And um, yeah, it, 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 you know, our niche, it, it really does translate to those numbers that you shared. All right, Nick, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, for individuals listening, the total investment for a lime painting is 124,000 to 162,000 and the royalty is 7%. For those of you that are interested in learning more about lime painting, please feel free to reach out to me at stacy@fusionfranchising.com. At 